You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. getting ready to sing later on in this podcast. So consider yourself warned about that. Uh, Packers with a 33 to 10 victory over the Vikings. Dave, it wasn't even that close. I wouldn't think Uh, Packers pretty much uh, in control, start to finish uh, on this game. They moved to eight and eight. Uh, Worst they can do is, is eight and nine, which would be the same as last year when they had a hall of fame quarterback. And the great thing is like last year, they win against a uh, division rival, and they are in the postseason. So I did not see this happening. I think you did, though, sir. And uh, you are perfectly. you are to be congratulated. I think, though, part of your vision was about this week coming up, which we can talk about later on, because I don't think your vision uh, for this week, as, as articulated last week, yes. was hopeful. But let's talk about this game because it was very satisfying. It, Dave, in a way, it reminded me of those games in 2011 where it, it didn't seem like the other team had a chance. Everything was going just right. I wasn't on the edge of my seat because it just felt like they were in control the whole time. It was an unusual feeling. It was a great feeling when I expected them to struggle, you know, because you're facing, uh, you know, shirtless people blowing a horn. In the twin, in, in in the Twin Cities, and that's and changed never, no less. Yeah. Well, I well, you know, I mean, it was it was it was like Isaac Hayes doing Shaft at the <laughs> at the Academy Awards in 1973. You know, it was it was very gratifying. I mean, not just the Isaac Hayes performance, but the Packer uh, victory. So, I am going to let people look behind the curtain here, Dave, because you sent me an article earlier today uh, by Bill Huber. Uh, it was from uh, Packers Central on Fan Nation. And we're, we're going to use his article, which is called Three Overreactions from the Packers' Victory Over the Vikings. And um, this will give us a chance. I think he will guide this discussion. Because the first thing that Bill says is, with Jordan Love, anything is possible. And Bill notes that over the last seven games, 33 quarterbacks have thrown at least 100 passes. 33 quarterbacks, 100 passes. Love is second in passer rating, just a touch under 110 for his passer rating over the past seven games. He's first in touchdown passes during that time. He's got 16. And he's first in the interceptions thrown. He's thrown just one. So a 16 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, that, my friend, is better than MVP front runners Lamar Jackson, who's 15 to 4. Dak Prescott was 15 to two and Brock Purdy was 16 to six. 
he's in pretty elite company, this Jordan Love. So what do you think? What do you think about Jordan, uh, where he is right now, his performance against, against the Vikings? Should he be mentioned in the same breath as Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and Brock Purdy? Well, you're missing Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford has had a perfect passing record, or he's one for one and has 118.8 career passing uh, uh, quarterback rating. I, you're just missing the, the the bigger story. No, I well, uh, let's go back to Jordan Love. Um, I don't know if I wanted to mention him uh, with Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. I mean, Brock Purdy, I I don't I'm still not sure what to think about with Brock Purdy. Um, are you still there, Chris? Well, yeah. What do you think? Oh. I went for a sandwich or something? Uh, or? I, I, well, I don't know. I was getting some weird feedback. So we'll, we'll, it was, cut, it was, we'll cut it that was, out in editing. <laughs> it, it was just me snoring, Dave. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so nervous that you're going to cut out. You keep telling you don't listen. I'm going to every few seconds, I'm going to ask you. To listen. <laughs> All right. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. All right. Please, yeah. please. So breathe into the micro. Something. All right. <laughs> Oh, Dave, you get me so excited. <laughs> yeah. That encourages me to keep going. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Let me give you Please, my yeah. take on love. <laughs> oh, I love when yeah. your takes on love. <laughs> All right, Jordan Love, Jordan Love. Uh, I don't know if I want to mention him in the same breath as those guys yet because it's it's still early, it feels like. And it wasn't that long ago that he threw balls. It's like, wow, he's not even close. And I remember rambling on at one of our podcasts about how this is all fallen apart because going back to Ted Thompson and all these things, but I got to tell you, this game was one of the first times that I felt confident that every time he threw the ball, it was going to mm-hmm. be to an open guy. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was like in, it was remarkable how, I mean, it wasn't that it, there was a Joe Barry on the other side. They were being very aggressive. They were yeah, you know, yeah. rushing and blitzing and trying to confuse them. They'd have, you know, seven guys on line of scrimmage that I like. And then some guys would drop back and some guys would blitz. I feel like that's all great. And he seemed to have perfect command of the offense. He kind of would wait till they tipped their hand or he would just, you know, then find the open guy. I mean, that's something I've been wanting even with Rogers and Favre is that, I mean, as good as they were, what I love the most is just throw it to the guys who are open, you know, just make this easy, just move right down the field, let your receivers make plays in the open field. Like don't try to thread the needle or, you know, throw bombs and get pass interference. Like just throw it to the guy for five yards and go to second and five. And I thought there were two plays. Um, I thought of them during the game. I'm probably not going to remember both of them now, but I remember one, it's like first down, he draws back, throws to Tucker craft. He runs, you know, second and three. It's like, I think those guys were deep in the pattern. And he just looked, they're not open. And he throws Tucker Kraft. Let's go to second and three. I love that. I, I feel like if Rogers did that early, he lost that late. Like he would see Tucker Kraft, Kraft look, wait, 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 and then get sacked before he could kind of do the check down. There's another time too, where it just felt like he threw the guy that was just open. It was, you know, not some elaborate 10, 20 yards down the field. It was just right in front of me through it. And then let's just keep moving the chains. I love that. I just, I want to see that continue. I think that just made the defense just like, look at themselves. Like, what can we do? We have no answers for what's going on here. And like through the entire game, like you said, with 2011, it felt that they were running when you expect pass, they were passing when you expect run. It was like, they were throwing left when you thought, right. It, it felt like everything was working. It just was clicking guys were always open 
And I got to, you know, the guys that they're playing with, Bo Melton, Tucker Craft, Malik Heath, Ben Sims. I mean, it's not like these have their top guys playing. And yet, I mean, Bo Melton caught 105 yards, Chris. I, I, it really is remarkable, I think, what Jordan Love has done. But I, I, I think my confidence, if I had confidence, if I rated him from a one to 10 uh, before the game, I would have said, you know, seven and trending higher. I feel like I got to an eight and a half or nine and this game alone, just because of how comfortable he looked and how in command he was. Uh, I, I feel like we have to go back a number of years with Rogers to remember those days, I guess, 11, there might've been a few, you know, years. Remember those years when the Packers would play someone and the coach get fired right after. Remember those? <laughs> that those was great. <laughs> yeah. It kind of felt like, you know, the, the crowd sat in their hands. The, they never blew the horn. It seems um, it seemed really quiet in there. And I yeah. thought, did they not mic the crowd or something? Because it was so <laughs> yeah. quiet. Maybe the speakers were turned off. Yeah, uh, yeah. must have been. Yeah, the crowd noise wasn't being pumped in. But yeah, I mean, we just that just beat them, and we beat them harshly. I mean, it just I mean, took all the spirit out of them. And I I have to admit, I I went to uh, Vikings uh, podcast to kind of get their sense of it. <laughs> Uh, just beautiful. I mean, this must have been great. It's, it's fun to hear it on the other side, you know, of what all they complain about. They they think their coach is uh, is is awful, needs to be fired. Um, he their criticism of him is he keeps wanting to throw the ball like 20, 10, 20 yards down the field and doesn't throw any kind of short passes. I was like, I I understand that. Um, and I, you know, I could see the frustration after this game too, where the Packers just kind of ate your lunch, just moving it down the field. It wasn't that they're all short throws, but there are a lot of short throws. Um, and so that was one of their criticisms, along with a lot of other things. What do you do with Kirk Cousins and all this stuff? So it was it was a pure joy. Uh, and I got to tell you, I expected this to happen. So I, I was not surprised. <laughs> but boy, did I love it. You know, and as we go on with this podcast, there will be a big reveal to show how right Dave was. So, yeah, uh, it, it, the Bill Huber article continues with. A statement for three decades, the Packers dominated the Bears because of Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and with love, the dominance will continue. Well, that's nice, but let's stay in our shoes here. I, it's way too early. It's easy to be excited because the guy has been so good. I mean, he's been so good over the past, if you even go back nine games, seven of those nine games, he's had a hundred plus passer rating. And I understand the enthusiasm. This is great. But he's not even finished his first full season yet as the yeah. Packers quarterback. So before we start, um, I guess I really can't use the meme that I Chuck uh, sent us from Paul Fiction. Um, but let's not, you know, <clears throat> pat ourselves on the back here uh, to paraphrase that. Uh, <laughs> we need to stay in our shoes on, on this one, my friends. Yes, it was a great performance. But I don't know, Dave, are you... Are you convinced that this guy is on a trajectory now where, you know, he maybe he won't wind up in the Hall of Fame, but he's going to be an all pro and MVP. Do you see that in his future or is this just nice and we should enjoy it for what it is? Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Um, now, I think he could be uh, very successful. And he, you know, if you had to rank the quarterbacks and say he's, you know, not as good as Rodgers, not as good as Favre. But man, I just. His his personality is is different than the two of them. I think by far, by a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you think of how can you have three consecutive? Well, there is a big difference in him. Is that he seems to be very 
level-headed. I, I don't remember, you know, in Roger's first year, did we see him act out the way he does now? No, I mean, I think he, he was very much like Jordan Love. I remember this well. In fact, I remember I remember Dave being at a stomp like, You remember the Congregational Church that was right, ac- right across from Camp Randall in Madison? Yeah. And our office was just down the street from there. I was waiting at the stoplight. I was, I forgot who was on the radio, but they were talking about how Aaron Rodgers has handled this controversy with Brett Favre. It was 2008. It was August. And how he had been just absolutely exemplary, you know. And I thought, you know, yeah, this this is a different cat. This this is a this is a new day. And you know, it's easy to feel that way about Jordan Love right now. He does seem to say the right things. He doesn't. He keeps a low profile. He's kind of everything you want. But I'm sort of waiting five years from now uh, when he's moody because they didn't resign Jaden Reed or yeah, they right. let. Te- Tucker Craft walk and free agent or some kind of some some kind of crap like that, and he's not going to throw it at any of the new guys because he doesn't know where they're going to be. You know, yeah, right, right? Yeah. yeah. So let's yeah let's not uh, jump to conclusions that he's always going to be the guy he is now. That's that's very fair. Um, you know, he's he hasn't shown a lot. You know, this will be you know a, well. I guess this last game was kind of a, a win or lose or or die situation, but this is going to be a lot of pressure at home. You know he. If he were to fall apart in this game, I still think it's a very successful season for him. But, you know, he hasn't faced this kind of pressure too many times. But maybe every game is filled with its own pressure. But we'll see if he can continue that. But he could be, you know, very successful and not be nearly as good as Favre or Rodgers. But I'm telling you, he could win maybe more Super Bowls, possibly, because he just... (laughs) plays through the offense. I thought neither Favre or Rogers sort of played the offense the way it was designed, at least later on. Um, but I that he could also not, sh- you know, never make a Super Bowl. Like, I, I feel like the, the range of outcomes for him is still very, very large. Um, I think a lot depends on how they build the defense and all those kinds of things. But he, he seems to be getting his accuracy down a little bit better. Like that throw to Reed for that first touchdown. Oh man. That was stuff that he was not, you know, but then he had a couple throws in that game or the one that we just blew them out uh, on a fourth down. And then there was another third down that he missed that. It's like, I bet you Rogers, you know, makes those completions. So he's still, there's still a work in progress here, but I am now convinced that sign him, give him the money. You know, I think we ride him and, uh, I, it's hard not to. I mean, to say like I, I would chance it, not sign him an extension, or try to go cheap on him. I, I think, I think I would have said that after the Carolina game. I don't know if I want to say that with Minnesota. He, it looked, I saw how good he can be, and that that is exciting. I, I don't know if he can be consistent with it as much as Rogers and Favre was, but uh, the possibility is there, and that's super exciting. So. Yeah. I, well, let me let me throw this out there as a as a possible comp. Now, I know people have mentioned Kurt Cousins as as being a comp for Jordan Love, which fine. I mean, I think Cousins is good enough to win with. I mean, we you know, we saw him play earlier this year. He was he was good. He has been good. Um, doesn't look bad shirtless, as it turns out. Um, so, you know, that would be OK. But another comp. And I've been very clear on this podcast over the years. I am no fan of Matty Ice. I am not a Matt Ryan guy. I think he's overrated. But he was the league's MVP. Um, and he's now apparently in, in the broadcast booth. He had a, he had what I would say is a good career. Uh, the kind of guy that 
you know, a decent team can win with. And I could see that kind of comp for Jordan Love, you know, a guy who makes a few Pro Bowls, maybe everything comes together and he maybe wins himself an MVP, but he doesn't play until his late 30s. Um, you know, he kind of, you know, ages like a lot of guys do either injury or just the body gets old and maybe by his early thirties, you know, he's out of the league, but along the way, you know, he's amassed some pretty good numbers. Uh, got, he's got a few awards, like I said, meeting maybe an MVP. See, I think I'd be very fine with that as, as a successor to what they've had over the past 30 years. I think that's well within his grasp, but to, to say it's dynastic and it's going to continue the same thing that we've seen for 30, that's, that's a really high yeah. bar. I could see him being successful, but maybe not in such a grand way. Sure. If you were to say he's going to be a failure, he'll be average, he'll be good, great, or Rogers and Favre, like, like that's, that's setting the bar really so high. very high. Yeah. But I will say, you know, going back to that touchdown to Reed. Uh, that throw and the way he threw it, Manny Ice could not throw that the way he did. Or he sort of, I think I saw, um, uh, who is it, uh, Baldinger or uh, yes. one of these guys on yeah. Yeah. Twitter that breaks it down. He said, you know, the play is designed to go to Tucker Craft because there was a blitzer and he looked and he was covered. And then he looks up, sees Reed, and then kind of throws it with his feet in the air. Like he torques his body in such a way. <laughs> That, you know, he threw a laser to read and the way he did that, like, that's probably not, you know, what Ryan or cousins can do. Like, you know, they have to sort of like plant and go and that might have gotten enough where the ball gets tipped or he gets pressure in his face. Like he just sort of jumped and sort of twisted his body and chucked that thing. That's something that's a little bit of a difference that other quarterbacks have. And if he can develop that and get better, I mean, there's no reason to think he can't improve from here. Right. I don't know if he's. Has he peaked? I, I wouldn't think so. Um, you, this is as much as a starter. I would think he's not peaked. I mean, right? He's got to have better to come, I would think, right? You would think. I mean, I, maybe teams could figure him out with more film and, and yeah, maybe, you yeah. know, he could. But, you know, I would think that, you know, he has another whole offseason with confidence and he's the guy. And I, I, maybe money also has a <laughs> has an impact, as well, we've seen. On that's true. That's true. Jair yeah. and other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, but I. Yes. If he was Kirk Cousins level of success, you know, I think we're in the conversation to be good for the next five to 10 years. Uh, could he be special? He's got some things about him. Now I don't see him as being super fast or elusive. You know, he's not like Lamar Jackson that way where, you know, he can like, he's an other world runner. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But that guy's uh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And Brock Purdy, you know, Brock Purdy is, is just got a great team around him. Right. I mean, yeah, and, right. But it's, I, sort of, I, it's sort of the Bart Starr thing, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't want to diminish Brock Purdy, but he's got a great team around him as Starr did. And you can, he's good enough to win with, though. But I think a superpower, along with being able to run, strong arm like Josh Allen, um, you know, go, like Michael Vick, like these guys had oh, yeah. superpowers. Well, so did Tom Brady. What was Tom Brady? He was super accurate and he made great decisions. I That's at least how I would look at it. someone who breaks quarterbacks down would say, oh, no. He had a rifle arm or something, but I just felt Tom Brady always made the right decisions. And if, if love can sort of keep showing that like he did against Minnesota, just throw the open guy, you know, just, and take what the defense gives you and just don't let that down. I think that is a unique superpower that wins a lot of games. And honestly, I don't think Favre really ever had that. Um, 
and Rodgers, I think, lost it. But so I, I'm looking forward to maybe a quarterback that can can do that. I think this game against Chicago will be really important. Like, are we going to see a continuation of of his play? Where I'm sure Chicago is going to be super aggressive. Can he look the same if he does? If he repeats that the same, um, I'll, I'd be super excited for him. And I might be optimistic for the playoffs, whoever we play, if it's Dallas or wherever else. Um, but I might be getting ahead of myself too. So well, that's well, what we do. Well, yes, but and 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 we need to talk more about that as we go forward here. But my favorite play of the game uh, for Jordan Love <clears throat> is the one that that did make me go wow. Uh, was one that was incomplete, and it was early in the game. It was uh, the drive where uh, I think they had a field goal on it, uh, but the pock- pocket collapsed around him, and he spins out. He rolls to his left. He throws back across the field, and he just missed. And I, I, I forget who was in the end zone there. If it was, um, it might have been Dobbs. I forget who it was. But he just, he just overthrew him by a little bit. And I said, Aaron Rodgers makes that throw. But then I thought, wait a second, that's a Hall of Famer, you know, making that yeah, throw. Right. And if that's the standard now that we're going to compare him to, that is huge. And he didn't miss him by much. And he's the guys in his first year as a starter to be able to have the presence of mind pockets gone. He's got a spin out. He's got a roll and he finds the guy and just about hits him. I know we got spoiled for a long time. I think Favre probably makes that play too, but certainly Rogers does. Okay. And we got spoiled by that. And even though it was incomplete, it told me the guy's got that kind of capacity, mm-hmm. which he's what? 25, I guess, you know, he's probably got, you know, he's, but the next five years are probably his his peak seasons. And you like to think, you like to project ahead and said, yeah, you know, maybe a year or two from now in that same situation, he rolls out and hits the guy in the end zone. As it turned out, it was incomplete, and I think they settled for a field goal on that drive, as I as I seem to recall. So that, to me, you know, was was highly encouraging to be able to see him, you know, make a play or almost make a play like that trying to make a play like that instead of just like, Oh, spinning out and throwing it away or spinning out and throwing an interception or fumbling or God knows what, you know, he almost made an incredible play that I think he probably will have the capacity to make in the future. And that is special. And I haven't seen a lot of special things from him along the way, but I'm starting to see him now. And it is really exciting because I I kind of thought his ceiling was going to be lower than it now appears to be. So we'll see. I mean, a lot of things can happen. We've seen quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, right, who has a good season, gets a big contract, and then is kind of a disappointment. Right. I I don't think that's going to be the case with Love, but we don't know. So that's why I think rather than saying, you know, this is a continuation of, you know, Favre to Rodgers to Love – I think we have to be measured with this, but there is a lot to be encouraged about. So Hubert goes on in his article to say the future. Can I say now- one more thing before you go to the oh, second yeah, sure. piece? Yeah. Just, you know, compared to Minnesota and Chicago, I think one thing we can say, I don't know if he's going to be Rogers or Favre or who, but uh, I think we have an answer for quarterback going forward mm. so that we can, like, as we go into the draft and other things, we can focus on other things. I think we have at least accomplished that. And I think that is, uh, a season 
a job well done. Like, I think we, we've answered that question. Now, if he comes out next year and just completely loses it and we end up to go a different direction, th- that could certainly happen. But I think yeah. we, we know now, at least as we see here today, I think we can say that the, the quarterback answer has a question has been answered where if you look at the Minnesota, Chicago, and so many other teams that is going to go into the off season as a big question mark. And we can be thankful for that. The other factor, when we look at the trajectory, the future of Jordan Love, how good is the rest of the division going to be? I mean, you play all those teams twice. Chicago has a boatload of high draft choices. They are an improved team. Uh, They're going to give the Packers all they want on Sunday. Game will not be played inside as it was in uh, Minnesota. We don't know yet what kind of a winter uh, quarterback Jordan Love is. Um, But we do know that Chicago appears to be getting their stuff together the way Detroit did last year. Uh, The Vikings are always in the conversation as they are this year. You know, if the rest of the division improves a lot, Jordan Love may be very good, but, you know, he plays in such a tough division, projecting it out. You know, he he might not have the same kind of success that a Favre or a Rodgers did when they could count on, you know, two victories against Detroit and probably two against Chicago every year. Uh, Those franchises aren't hapless any longer. So when we're assessing the future of Jordan Love, I think we have to take into account what the opposition is going to look like, especially the ones they play uh, twice a season. So that's another thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind. It's not just what Jordan Love does. It's what the opposition does at the same time. So, yeah, yeah that's right. So going along then with this article, the other things he mentions, he mentions two other things, one of them being the team's other MVP. And he chooses Zach Tom as the guy who personifies the top of draft pick that championship teams make. Um, now, Zach Tom's been good. I mean, there's no question about it. Hard not to like the guy. Uh, he seems like the sort of player that is going to be around for a long time and they give him an extension. He had to face Hunter uh, this week. Guy is fifth in the NFL, 15 and a half sacks. And I got to say, Pretty impressive when Zach Tom gives up one pressure, one pressure. So starting with the week 11 game against the Chargers, Zach Tom's man has touched the quarterback just once in seven games. Uh, Now, that's according to Bill Huber, who's quoting pro football focus. I did not sit down and meticulously review the tape to count that. So this guy has been really, really good. Um, course they have some weak spots on that offensive line that they're going to have to address one way or another guy's been impressive but do you think he's the the second most valuable guy on the offense second most valuable guy well you could look at aaron jones but for a full season yeah and he you know he's up and down he's certainly a difference maker when he, he can play a whole game but even this game i thought there he goes he's hurt and he came back um but i don't know if you could give that to aaron jones I mean, which wide receiver do you give an MVP to if you had to pick one second? Because Jaden Reed. <laughs> well, I, that's a good one. Uh, he's been probably the most consistent. That's right. But, um, you know, there have been like this was the Bo Melton game, even though Reed had two touchdowns. 
Um, there's been some and, where it's been Dobbs. And one, it's been and one half a play, Dave, too. Okay, he had 89 yards, two touchdowns, six receptions, and a half of the game. All right, so your vote is going to be for Jaden Reed over yes. Zach Tom? Yes. Well, I, you know, one of the things, though, that's allowing Love the time to sort of make good decisions is that he isn't well, getting okay. Okay. a free, right? I, I, you have Fair to enough. give it up for the offensive line. Um, so if you had to pick across the offensive line, who is it? It's not – I don't know if I would lean on any of the others. I mean, I have questions on all the other four, but they are performing. Um, but – yeah, I do have to give it up to Zach Tom. I don't know if he qualifies as the second MVP on the team. I I guess we could vote for that. But um, Zach Tom's trajectory at the Packers, let's consider how that's gone. When he came in, he like, wow, this guy's good. And then he continued to play really good. And now he's currently playing really good. Like, this guy is like a flawless player. Have you ever, have we ever criticized Zach Tom? I can't I like think he, it. No, he's, he's like not a, a turnstile out there at all. Right. You know, he's been pretty much good out of the box and he's another guy, a day three pick, right. You know, uh, yeah. another guy that they found at Bakhtiari was a fourth rounder. Right. You know, and he's, if he, I think if Bakhtiari doesn't screw up his knee on that new year's Eve three years ago, um, he's probably on his way to the hall of fame. Yeah. Could be. And yeah, you yeah, know, so, yeah, I. Not that I'm saying that they shouldn't, you know, grab an offensive lineman in the first round, but they seem to have pretty good success, you know, finding guys. Even even uh, Walker, you know, Rasheed Walker's had, you know, since, since they put some competition against him, um, he's been a lot better to the point where he's, you know, has Yash sitting on the bench now again. So another, I think he was a sixth or seventh rounder. They're able to find guys late, and I guess uh, Dick Butkus's what grandnephew or whoever the heck that you know he's a pretty good offensive line coach apparently uh, because they they had some success. Now of course there are the Josh Myers of the world and you know John Runyans that you know haven't really developed uh, the way they should, but other guys have, and so maybe. Uh, I guess it depends on who's available when they're picking in the first round. They do need help on the offensive line. But Zach Tom is, I think he's a guy with the future. And I think they got to be starting to think about, okay, you know, what kind of extension and when do we offer it for that guy? You know, he's, it's pretty early for extension for him though, right? Probably he's, after, he's a second year, second year player. Yeah. Maybe do it after and, next year. And right. And I think he gets uh, four years. I think if you're the first rounder, right, you get that, that, that fifth year, but he's only going to get the four. So after next year, yeah, you, you, you know, you probably have to be start looking at an extension for him. Yeah. I mean, unless he, um, really gets, gets bad or gets, gets yeah. hurt or, or gets yeah. ex- too expensive. I mean, he's probably a right tackle or he fits somewhere on the offensive line for a long time. Like he, he just seems to be very, very good. And just the, you know, even though I, John Runyon jr, uh, the center, um, Myers, I'll, you know, Myers it, it, you know, there's some question marks with these. Um, I mean, Jenkins, I think is very good. I mean, Tom is a lot like Jenkins to me, right? Jenkins yeah. sort of had the same trajectory. Right. Like he came in good. He was good in the middle and now he's good. He's pretty good now other than he is injury, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, they have at least two solid offensive linemen, two serviceable ones. And yeah, Walker is probably the one. Maybe maybe you draft to replace him or make that competitive. I mean, it'd be awesome if Bakhtiari came back with a renewed sort of enthusiasm to play football. I if and it got healthy, um, and you could have Bakhtiari next year. I mean, think about the line then. Um, so I think 
Zach Thomas being a second MVP isn't crazy. Um, but I think he merits it as much. It's just, you know, it's an offensive lineman that they don't, that's not as flashy, but uh, that's a really impressive stat that you said. He's not giving up any pressures. That's fantastic. Well, I'd like to say it was my stat, but thank you to Bill Huber for coming up with that. <laughs> his, his third point in this game, something he calls addition by subtraction. And this is uh, regarding uh, Jair Alexander. And as ev- everyone knows, follows the Packers. Um, <laughs> He got suspended for this game because uh, insubordination and making himself, you know, captain um, for the game and then also kind of screwing that up. It just it just was not a good look um, for the guy. But this is something that that Bill Huber says in his his piece. He says they might not need Alexander after the unlikely combo of Corey Ballantyne and Carrington Valentine helped shut down the Vikings. Well, they might not need, in my opinion, they might not need Alexander, but I think they would be a lot better having him with those other guys because Ron Wolf always said, and I, I've come around to this opinion, you can't have too many corners. It's a little bit like pitching uh, in baseball. You can't have too much of it because those guys get hurt. You can ask, you know, Eric Stokes that. Uh, you can ask Alexander that, you know, they, they get hurt. They're not going to necessarily be available. Things, things, things happen. And so I think you want to preserve that depth. That is assuming that this suspension maybe uh, kindles a little humility, maybe in Jair. You don't want too much because you probably want your corners to be cocky like the wide receivers are. I think you, you probably want some of that, but you don't want so much of it. Um, you know, where they're just acting out and kind of doing their own, their own thing. Plus he's got a huge cap hit for next year. So I, you know, if the, if the suggestion here is, you know, to, to trade Alexander, I don't think that's a good idea because it's besides the cap implications, other teams know the situation and they're not going to give value. You know, they're going to want to, you know, get a bargain on this deal. And I don't think that's, I don't think he's the kind of guy you once want to dump and get whatever you can uh, for him. So, yeah, I I know that those guys played played well. I mean, Ballantyne says in the article it got on Jefferson's face. He never backed down. That has to be how the Packers will play against Chicago is what he was saying. And he goes on to say that's probably the way they should play in 2024, you know, get up on the receivers and all that. And I don't disagree with any of that, but I'm not sure that I – I'm ready to to say, okay, let's get rid of uh, Alexander, and then let's go with, um, you know, one guy who's a who's a retread, and the other guy who's a seventh round draft choice. I, I'm not ready to go there. Well, but I will say, those two guys should be starting. I feel like, and I think Pastor Kevin is uh, all over this. Um, is that these two guys should be playing? They were the ones who start against Kansas City, yep. and uh, I think Detroit. And if Alexander is going to play and sort of be disruptive and, you know, just and he's not going to tackle, be a willing tackler, you know, then then until he's ready to sort of, you know, be healthy and be a willing tackler, I, I would play these other guys. And their play does help the Packers probably negotiate with Alexander of like, what do you want to do here, buddy? Do you want to play for us? And are you going to kind of toe the line and and be a contributor to this team or are you going to? just be a, you know, keep acting out as he say. And, uh, and then, cause if either he won't tackle or he won't 
behave himself, then I think you do let him go. So, but yes, if he then kind of comes around and rededicates himself to playing, um, then I think I uh, try and keep him. But it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I don't think a, a healthy Alexander would still start ahead of Ballantyne and Ballantyne. <laughs> but man, they, I, the, the results speak for themselves. I mean, they have played really well. Um, I can't recall. I mean, even when the, they've thrown balls to Jefferson and I thought that play that Ballantyne made was just great. If, if Alexander made that play, I would be like, yep, that's our guy. That's our all pro guy there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was an excellent, excellent play. Um, I do think right now it is addition by subtraction. Uh, I wonder if Alexander would be a good slot corner. Like mm. I, I, I think he's got that talent, right? That you could keep these guys on the outside and let Alexander sort of play that slot. But I think you need him to be a willing tackler. Then he can't mm-hmm. be there and just sort of mm-hmm. like guiding people out of bounds like he's been doing. So I, I think it's so good that they're playing well, obviously for the purposes of the game itself. But I think to negotiate with Alexander going forward, because I think the Packers hold all the cards and um, he, he's, if he wants to play, he wants to be competitive. He's going to have to change his tune. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Well, uh, what Huber says, I think, makes a lot of sense. Alexander's future in Green Bay is complicated. He's a great player who hasn't had a great year. Is he not committed to the team? Is he not committed to playing for Joe Barry? Is he not committed to playing for Matt LaFleur? Will the potential of a new defensive coaching staff get Alexander's career back on track? Those are all really good observations and great questions, and we just don't know. It, it does seem like Joe Barry has not been a good defensive coach for Jair Alexander. I think that's pretty clear. And that may be why he's been maybe hesitant to get out on the field when he's not felt great, because I don't think he you know, believes in and in, in buys into the system. Um, maybe it would be different if they had a different uh, defensive uh, coordinator. And likewise, you know, he seems kind of distant from... Uh, Matt LaFleur, too. On the other hand, Alexander appears to be kind of distant from his teammates anyway. That's just kind of his his personality. He's more of a loner, a little bit aloof, or so the reporting goes. So, you know, we will see. I just think there's too much talent there. We've seen too much in the past. And they do have a significant, uh, you know, salary commitment and salary implications in moving on from him at this at this point. But it does appear to be a little bit of a problem that they're going to have to navigate going forward. And even though he's not going to be suspended this week, I'm not sure it's a given that, you know, he's going to be ready to play. I mean, he wasn't really ready to play, you know, very much um, as the season went on. And I, I'm not sure if, if he's doing the Devondre Campbell thing where if I'm not a hundred percent, I don't want to play. Right. So, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of questions about the guy. I just think their hands are tied for the, for the, the coming year. Well, their best bet would be to get a defensive coordinator and hire someone who can motivate him so that when you come into camp next year, these three guys are really fighting for that starting spot and you're, you play the two best players and the other plays the you know slot. Uh, although Keyshawn Nixon, I guess, is playing slot and he's not playing too bad. I, there are times when I don't, you know, I see him getting burned, but I think overall Keyshawn's done pretty well. But um, anyway, I, I think if you get a defensive coordinator that can motivate him, that's, you know, job one. I, I think that's another reason to get rid of Barry among a thousand mm. others, but is to have a new blood, you know, kind of re-energize and a, a, a Alexander that wants to play, you know, then is, is going to make this team much, much better. 
So and I, one thing too, I was listening to a podcast where Mike Wall was on. I mm-hmm. guess he does with Andy Herman. Right. Yeah. He was saying, you know, they asked, do you think there's something going on with the defense that you've got Campbell not playing? Alexander has mm-hmm. been suspended. Is this indicative of problems, you know, with Joe Barry? And Mike Wall made the point is like, look, you've got two players who are veterans who got paid and now they're, you know, acting out. And so yep. he said, I'm going to leave it there. And I was trying to think, like, I think he's implying that it's it's more about these guys. Once they get paid, once they get older, you know, they're not going to put up with crap like the young guys are. Um, but I still feel like if you have one, it's maybe a problem on either side. If you have two, then it's starting to be indicative of more of a systemic problem. And I, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think that... the the Campbell and Alexander combination makes this, I mean, I don't, I can't, well, and Rasul got shipped out. So I guess there are potentially three problems that, you know, or the Packers had to deal with and they're all three of more veteran guys. Um, do you think that is that there's more problems within the Packers organization than we're able to be aware of? Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier and, you know, that great philosopher Cindy Lauper noted that money changes everything. You know, it 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 really does, and I think Mike Wall's point uh, about you know both of those guys got paid and now you know they're not going to play unless they're you know feeling just right. NFL is really really tough. I know that's a shocker to a lot of people, but you know you watch these games, Packer games or whatever game you watch, it's freaking brutal, and these guys. You know, taking a lot of abuse, and why are they doing? I mean, sure, yeah, they they enjoy the game, they love the game. There's, but it's the money. I mean, the money is good, and that's why you make a trade-off. That you know, you get to do this while you're young and make you know, a lot of money and set yourself up in lots of ways for the rest of your life. Even if you don't have to work anymore in some in some cases, like I don't think Jair's gonna gonna have to worry about holding down a nine to five when he's done playing football and probably the same thing with Campbell and a lot of these guys, but they're all competing, you know, for the chance to get that big money. And once you do, your motivation can get sapped. I mean, that's just a human nature. No, that's not true for everybody. Uh, A lot of guys, you know, the money, once they have it, they're looking for more. Now they're looking for the hall of fame. They're looking for certain kinds of things um, they're just motivated beyond the money. But I think the initial driver for a lot of these guys is the money. And who can blame them? I mean, most most of us aren't, you know, born into generational wealth where we don't have to work. And we work, you know, try to make a living. And money is security for a lot of people. And a lot of NFL players, no shock here, come from challenging circumstances. And so when they finally, after a lifetime, and maybe it's a relatively short lifetime, it's, you know, 27 years or something, and now they, you know, sign that four-year deal that's got $39 million guaranteed, you know, I know I would take a big sigh of relief in saying, whew, great, now I want to be able to enjoy that, and I don't want to spend it in a wheelchair, you know. I've seen the video of Earl Campbell. I don't want that to be me, you know, at... 58 years old, you know, and so I, I understand the psychology and not all of the players are like this, but I can certainly see where that would be a part of the equation for a certain number of guys. So is it Joe Barry or is it just the fact that there's so much money and for some people, 
that major motivator is money. When it's not there anymore, they're not willing to sell out the way they did when they were a second-year player and they just became the starter. Well, but I think that's true to to some degree. But I don't see in the NFL that every time a guy gets paid, they fall off a cliff. Like, And so one of the things we always say is, you can't sign a guy to a big contract because then he won't play hard anymore. Like that doesn't, that's not a normal thing in the NFL. Like there's still the Tom Brady's who have all the money in the world model for a wife that makes a lot of money too. And he's still out there competing. But if it's a situation where it's a bad system or a bad coach, you know, if you not make any money, you kind of have to suck up the situation. But if you're making a lot of money, you might be like, I'm not putting up with it. So it still might be indicative. Mm-hmm. The money is the driver of the of why they're reacting this way. But it's also that it's a combination. It's the money and a bad system, a bad coach or something. Because why, you know, a guy getting paid, but you got a winning team, a good coach. He's highly motivating. I mean, a lot of times, why would you just because you make the money? I mean, why why do it if if uh, um, if if you know, to get the money and just, you know, fake an injury. And then I would think that would happen all across the league. So I, I think, it, I think there is something more there and um, I'm hoping a new coach will come in with a new ideas, um, you know, be uh, really dynamic and kind of get the most out of these guys. Uh, Joe Barry is uninspiring to me as a fan, but it seems to be on the team too. So um, well, you that's know, what it I, seems like from the outside. I, I, I would think Joe Barry should be fired because Green Bay should not be playing this week to get into the playoffs. They should be in the playoffs and to throw up on their shoes the way they did yeah. uh, against really? Tampa Bay and against the New York Giants. Um, they should have won at least one of those games, maybe both, but they should have won at least one. And then this game on Sunday coming up would not have so much pressure on it. It wouldn't have to be a win. And they would probably be pretty much in the way it is right now. So that, that to me is the reason why you fire Joe Barry is because of the failures on games. They really should have won. Um, now I know there's been time this year. Look pretty good. They look pretty good this past Sunday, but the Sunday, this past Sunday was more of an aberration. I think, uh, than it was indicative of the kind of defense they've been. And that's why when the season's over, I think that you have to move on. Well, let me ask you this. Let's say they lose the Bears. When is Barry fired? Well, I would I would think that would be a perfect time at the coach's postgame comments. <laughs> yeah, right. But it honest seriously, like sometime like next week, right? It would be season's oh, well, over. Coach I would say being let go. Monday morning, probably, because that's typically how that happens. And this is I, I this is a done deal. It's been talked about. I mean, why wait? I mean, the decision I would think has to be Ninety-eight percent made already. I would think. I would think, but again, this is the Packers. But let me. I'll throw scenario number two: Packers win against the Bears, lose to Dallas in a close game. When is Barry fired? Then. Well, probably still Monday. Shortly, yeah. I mean, because I personally, I don't think there's anything after that perfect quarterback rating by uh, Baker Mayfield. I. I, I don't think there was any coming back at that point. Now, it was terrific that, you know, the defense looked good, really only gave up three points. Um, of course, they weren't playing against the best offense in the world either, and the quarterbacks they threw out there weren't very good. But still, the defense played played well. 
uh, in that game. But I don't, I don't think it mattered. I mean, I think that decision was made or should have been made. And I think the only way, the only way, Dave, that I could see the Packers running it back with this defensive coordinator is if they reach the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't think they have to win it, <laughs> but I think reaching it maybe saves his job. Okay. Um, yeah. But I, even at that point, I, I know this is going to be a deep reach for a lot of people, but I think it was 1964, the Yankees and the Cardinals played in the World Series. And after the World Series, I recall both managers got fired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And now, a different time, different sport, all that stuff. But I'm not even sure reaching the Super Bowl, uh, I think they've seen enough. I think they know it's it's been so inconsistent. It's been so frustrating, you know, to 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 watch them get torn apart by nothing quarterbacks. And it's easy in hindsight now to say, well, damn, they could have been in the playoffs. Nobody was thinking about the playoffs when they were, you know, throwing up on themselves earlier in the season. But when they had a chance, when there were five games left, you win three and you're in, well, they lost the first two of those, making the last three essential to win. It shouldn't have had to be in that way. Yeah. And a lot of the problem was on the damn defense. Is that, it didn't, didn't Tommy DeVito get benched now? I mean, <laughs> is he out he was, of the league? I think he's, it, yeah. I, I think he's still on the Giants, but I mean, my God, he went from NFC Player of the Week to the bench. Two and weeks. yeah, you know, and then you have a guy come into Lambeau. You know, the, the Bears might do it this week. They might come in and light him up as well. Um, but that's that's just bad. I mean, I know, and Baker Bayfield's not a stiff. I fine. But that just should not have happened, and that's why that's why you fire him. I don't think there should be any questioning about it, unless unless they reach the Bowl. Then maybe you think, well, you know, you know, you know, Joe really stepped up when we had to. But still, the questions you raise about are veteran players going to play for this guy? I mean, that's a legitimate question and something to be thinking about and something to be concerned about. And I don't think that that changes even if it reached the, the Super Bowl. Well, I think there's a non-zero chance that the Packers win one playoff game that Joe Barry gets fired. Uh, or or it, there's a, a non-zero chance that he will stay on as the defense coordinator. I, I think, again, I just think the Packers do things that are strange and opposite of what I think they should do. Um, I just, yeah, I, you know, in the long run, yeah, I guess. in the long run, I wonder if it's better to lose against the Bears, you know, miserably oh, and just no, get no, out of here. No, no. I mean, look, there are two bad options. You can't, you can't lose to the Bears. <laughs> no. But if, I know if the Bears I are a lot better. choice, lose to the Bears, fire Joe Barry, we beat the Bears, and you're going to have Joe Barry for another full season, what would you choose? If, okay. Now, that is a very hard scenario. However, <laughs> however. I think it's real. I, I I would I would I would choose the the beating the Bears. I mean, it's the Bears a and b. How how great would it be for this team to be nine and eight, better than last year's team with what's his name at quarterback? Um, it, it would it would just be a cherry. Even if they went out and you know Mike McCarthy you know blew him off the field the next week, it, it fine okay. But it would be outstanding to be able to reach the postseason with with a team that at two and five appeared to be dead. The expectations were low. All of these rookies youngest in the league. I, I would, I would live with Joe Barry if they could accomplish that, 
But I think it's going to be both. I think that they have a very good chance of beating the Bears. I'm not sure they will, but I, they have a very good chance. And even if they do beat them, I still think that his job can't be saved. Okay. I Yeah, I am not as confident with you on that. I We shall see, but... Um, well, we're, we're talking about the playoff scenarios. Have you seen that, you know, it's not inconceivable, even if they lose to the Bears, there's a couple of ways the Packers could still get in. It would require the Vikings to lose or tie their game and the Seahawks to lose and the Buccaneers to lose. That That's one scenario. The other scenario, again, involves Seahawks losing and the Vikings losing or tying. Also a Saints loss. So either one of those scenarios, even I, I know it's kind of complicated, um, but conceivable at the same time, um, even if the Packers lose this this particular week. It makes me wonder, though, Dave, had they beat New York or Tampa, um, would, they, would they be virtually in regardless of what happened in this game? I just don't like all the pressure that's on this game coming up because it's against an improving team, a team that may be even ascending, and you're at home. And ever since Michael Vick came into Lambeau and beat the Packers and kind of, you know, Lambeau mystique was, you know, no longer a pole dancer, um, I I think it's, I think it's, uh, there's a vulnerability now around playing in January in Lambeau Field that didn't exist in the past. Right. And so I just can't accept the idea that they might that they might lose. Sure, it would be great if they get back into the playoffs after that, but you can't, you just can't can't lose this game for what for what it sets up going forward too. I mean, that's right. that's right. the other thing. Uh, Look what you did to Lions. You like propelled yeah. them into, you know, first place, exactly. felt, right? Exactly. Exactly, you know. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple news items too. I don't know if uh, you've heard some of these things, but oh I wait, by the way, oh, by yeah, the way, sure. just real quick with your scenarios: the Buccaneers yeah. play at noon, the Vikings yes. play at noon, the Saints play at noon, but the Seahawks play at 3:25. So I guess if the Saints, Vikings, and Tampa lose, we might be in the playoffs already before we play. I think in both of these scenarios, the Seahawks have to lose, though. Oh, you said Seahawks both have to lose. Okay, so we won't yeah, know. Yeah, uh, got it, yeah. got it. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So so there will be – but even even at that, I mean, they should be playing their asses off Oh, anyway. for sure. No, there's no question. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, that's right. So um, uh, a couple of things. Uh, this isn't going to surprise anybody based on, on what we saw this past week, but uh, the Packers did sign Bo Melton to the 53-man roster. If they hadn't, I think somebody else probably would have. Yeah, I think you think yeah. to to make room for him on the roster. Uh, Torre was uh, sent to the uh, injured list. Um, now that's funny how he developed that injury. Yeah, that's weird. Right after, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I I guess maybe he was injured when he got his ass kicked uh, by Rick Bisaccia for, you know, um, <laughs> fumbling inside the ten yard line. Would you see that movie? I think it was called Victory, where the uh, the goalkeeper had to like break his arm so that Sylvester Stallone could be the goalie. Uh, that's when the the POWs were playing the Nazis in soccer. That was an old movie. I wonder if like. Uh, Samori, come on in here. <laughs> We're going to have to break your arm on the bedpost here. Uh, something happened. Well, you know, it, it's, 
I think that that the Tory's going to have a good career someplace. It's not going to be in Green Bay. I mean, he's just he's the odd man out. Yeah. He's good enough, I think, to be a number five someplace and play a few years in the league. Maybe kind of have a Alex Erickson kind of career, you know, where you where you hang on, you know, for a while, and you know. Um, but he he, I don't think he fit, unless there's an injury, you know. I mean, this week I. You've already had a couple of, you know, Wicks and Reed have both had chest injuries, which makes me nervous because there's a lot of important stuff inside the chest. I think maybe you're aware. I'm right. not, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but you know, you probably don't want to have important. it. Yeah. It does seem important. Yeah. Uh, so there could be an injury of some kind, somebody, you know, God forbid blows out a knee or whatever else happens. Um, or who was the guy? Terrence, um, what was his name? He had the neck injury returning a kick. Um, he was second round pick for them back in the day. Oh boy. And, yeah. And his, his career was uh, derailed. I mean, I, I hate to see something like that happen, but you know, may, now maybe that's how you know Torrey's career with the Packers becomes extended. But right now, I think it's just a placeholder, um, and he's gone to the injured list. Terrence Murphy. Terrence Murphy, that's the guy, and a lot of promise. I believe he was second round pick, and hurt his neck. Never played again. Um, so those those things you know can and do happen. Well, I believe Sterling Sharp also had a neck injury that ended his career. So, you know, I mean, let's, you know, be glad for the embarrassment of riches, young riches that the Packers have. Um, But right now he appears to be the odd man out. Last thing that I had, uh, Dave, um, is the whole Aaron Jones situation. Now, at the top of the podcast, you you mentioned this when we're talking about MVPs. And they are definitely different, you know, when Aaron Jones is out there. Second week in a row that he's gone for over 120 yards. Second week in a row, he's averaging more than six yards a carry. Um, the guy is terrific with the ball under his arm. He's terrific when it comes to catching the ball. He's had a couple of big fumbles uh, from time to time in the postseason and things. But still, I think he's a guy that even though he's going to be I think next year might be his age 30 season. I think he's still a guy that you bring back. What do you think? Well, if you do, you have one position that you may not need to draft. If he goes, then you're probably drafting a running back pretty high. So it depends on kind of your draft strategy. I wouldn't mind drafting a a running back high anyway. I don't know what you're going to do with AJ Dillon, but potentially you could be losing both those guys. You have to start over like you did with the wide receiver, but maybe, you know, that could work out. Running backs can probably come hit the ground running better than other positions. So maybe that's something you could, could do. I don't know if there, is there such a thing as a tackle coach that not one that teaches you how to tackle, but how to be tackled. Like, do they have <laughs> drills on that? Cause I, again, I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder, I feel like if he's going to prolong his career and have a successful one next year for the Packers, um, I love it the way he runs. I mean, when, he, it seems like he gets that crease and he's in full speed and, you know, something that might be two or three for someone else is 10 for him. I love it. Um, but he's got to learn how to, to go down <laughs> and not get hurt. And I, I feel like that's, that's, that might be just a function of how he plays. Like he can't be good and risk, not risk himself at getting injured. Cause that reckless abandon is, is part of his deal. But um, I think, you know, if he comes back next year, he plays, eight games or less. Like it, that's just where he's going to be. He's going to be kind of a fragile guy. He's small. 
Um, and I, I don't, I don't see him ever sort of lasting 17 games with them. So I think you just, you need a really a backup that can fit his role and be highly effective. If he's not playing, I think they need to have that. I need that Patrick Taylor needs to be upgraded to someone really, you know, good, like a mm-hmm. top, maybe three round pick maybe. Um, and so, and I actually think you should bring AJ Dillon back. I think you're going to get him cheap. Um, and I, I, I really want them to use him as a fullback. <laughs> I really do, but they don't use the fullback that much, but, um, I kind of want Dylan back. I wouldn't mind Jones back, but, uh, I don't know. You know, I, that's not knowing what the draft is out there. Um, there's probably other running backs that can maybe do 85% of what Aaron Jones can do probably for less money. And we can maybe still be a pretty effective. Um, I mean, he's not being involved much in the passing game, right? Um, that's one thing that Jordan love is when he's throwing the short passes or the receivers or the tight ends, he's not getting the ball. To Aaron Jones, a lot of the passing game. So he touches 20 times. He's really effective. This game. Is he someone you could lose? I think you probably could, but yeah, I'd love Aaron Jones, you know, as far as a person and a player. I, so I hope they can figure it out where he can stay. I'm not super convinced that that's the best option for them to be, to be the best team they can be next year, just because he's so uncertain. Of, mm-hmm. of being durable. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm, I'm going to agree with you on for sure is nothing's worse than, than getting hurt when you're going down. I, oh, I don't know how yeah. many, I don't know how many times I've said that. Um, but any, any, anyway, um, Aaron Jones is a leader and if he only plays eight games, but he's going to give you, you know, that veteran leadership on a team, that will still be very young next year. I think there's value in that. If they, if he's even if he's only going to play eight games, and if he plays eight games like he has the past two games, maybe that maybe they even have him play every other game. Then yeah, well, you know? if it's the last yeah. eight games, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah. So but, I, uh, I feel like it's the unknown eight games. It's going to be the first one for sure, right? And then the second is uncertain all the way to the eighteen, so yeah, or and, seventeen. And it, it is frustrating, but there are certain guys. Um, Aaron Jones is not Jair Alexander in terms of what he brings in the locker room and off the field. Right. Uh, I think you need, you need some guys like that. Um, and he might be the kind of guy he's got a contract that is, is kind of a cap wrecker. Um, but, but he's the kind of guy who, you know, might, might take less to stay and I think it might be if he if he takes some kind of deal that is going to you know be cap friendly, uh, and if he only even if they know going in you probably only get eight games from the guy, that's fine. If you know they're eight good games, he's a difference maker and he provides leadership. I when I was watching him play on Sunday, it's like, damn, this guy, he he's got vision, he's he's got moves. Yes, he's like Wedgwood China, uh, you know, is more durable uh, than 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 Aaron Jones. I mean, there's no there's no questioning that. Uh, but damn, you know, uh, he he's a good player still. And I, I don't think other than, you know, the, the physical limitations he has in terms of durability, you know, he's still fast. He's still shifty. He can still play football. And so I think they need to bring him back, assuming he's willing to do it on a deal that is going to be friendly enough to the cap that they can address other needs that they might have. And also they're going to have to swallow 
probably the Bakhtiari deal in one way or another. And the same thing with Alexander. I mean, if they bring those guys back, they're going to be big numbers. And, you know, so they're going to have to get probably some concessions uh, from from Jones. As far as A.J. Dillon goes, it would have to be a very friendly deal. I mean, there's some some utility. There's some value. Um, you know, he's married a girl from the area, from Door County. Uh, Well-documented, he's the mayor of Door County. By the way, there is no mayor of Door County. But if there was, if there was, it may be A.J. Dillon. And he's a good guy, but he's another dude that's going to have to take less money to stay in Green Bay. I'm, I'm not sure he's going to get a great deal on the market anyway because he's solid, uh, but he's not – He's not like the bus was in Pittsburgh or some of these, you know, big, big backs that are going to bowl people over and got to get 100 yards in a game because they're going to get, you know, 80 of those after first contact. He's well, just, we don't know if Bettis would have gotten his yards if he was playing shotgun all the time, though. Well, right? see, that's that's the thing. And the Packers did a little tell this week um, when they lined up love under center with Dylan in the backfield. You just knew they're going to run him because that's where he's most effective. Right. He's not he's not that that effective running on a shotgun. And you make a good point. I'm not sure that Bettis would have been either. Uh, but the way the game has changed now, you know, there's a hell of a lot of shotgun that goes on. Um, so that's another reason why I think if they bring him back, he's going to have to really take a modest deal. But maybe that's good enough. Maybe he likes the area. You know, and you know, as a married guy, sometimes you make decisions. Um, you know, for the good of the family. And, you know, maybe he would do that. I don't I don't know if his wife is necessarily as wedded to the area as she is to her husband. Um, but I understand her family is well known or prominent in Door County. And so, you know, maybe there's an incentive to to take less. And, you know, on the other hand, maybe this would be his one chance to get a halfway decent deal, because usually running backs don't get a third contract. And so this may be his only chance to get any kind of serious money. But I don't want him back unless it's on a very friendly uh, team deal. Yeah, I think that's right. And But I don't think he's going to get a huge offer from someone else at this point. I mean, he's got injuries and, um, you know, he hasn't sort of flashed. He said off year a bit. So I, I don't know if he's, you know, the Packers might be the best deal he can find, too. So um, I, I kind of I do think that there's some utility for him. Um, you replace him with a rookie or, you know, a free agent that can do similar things. Uh, would it be that much better? Um, I don't know, maybe, but I, well, I would like to, too, I would like yeah. to see them rotate. If they're going to stay with Aaron Jones and whoever else that in your life, we're talking about eight games, you know, maybe it does it can be 17 games. It's just that like they do now, they use them sparingly, but man, use them at the right time. Like I, you know, lean on him in the fourth quarter when the game's on the line or when we're up, take him out and then bring him back. When you like, I know that they have done that sparingly at times, but it doesn't feel like there's a rhyme or reason for it. He's does the first series and then he never see him again. Like, is that the plan? It's first series and never again. I would see like we do first quarter and fourth quarter. And then the middle, we sort of rest him. Um, like that to me, seems like a reasonable plan to me. I don't really know what they're doing with, with Aaron Jones, but I, I think, He's not going to be the guy that gets 30 carries and plays, you know, 17 games. That's just not going to happen with him. Yeah. Well, um, I think we need to move to the betting lines. But before we do, Dave, yeah, uh, there is a comment from uh, from our friend Tom Freeman, who I think is 
he might be the uh, mayor of San Luis Obispo. I'm I'm not exactly exactly sure. I know he is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin Law School, so that means something. Anyway, uh, Tom and Judy were in touch with us after the game, as they so often are. And um, Tom says, I realize that the Packers beat the Bears. The season is highly likely to end on the road the following week against the Cowboys, probably. But Tom says, who cares? The Packers exceeded expectations, and notwithstanding some doubts at the fridges, on the fringes, or the fridges, it looks like we have found Rogers' successor. And besides, you never know. Did any of us, when the Packers snuck into the playoffs in 2010 as the final wild card, think that the Packers would knock off the number three, number one, and number two seeds all on the road and then win the Super Bowl? I'm on record in my former Packers blog that I did not see any of that coming. So, that's from Tom Freeman in California, and I think he's got a great point. You know, it would be terrific if the Packers, you know, could win. I really want them to win because everything I've mentioned earlier in this podcast. But if they don't win, so what? I mean, they they have really I, – I think they're at the point, and this is where I like your comment here. I think they're at the point where they're kind of playing with house money, seeing as how we're going into the betting lines. Oh, by the way, nobody in the Packers Therapy Hotel and Casino plays with house money. I just right, I just, right. bring I, I your just own wanna, money. I just right. want to be very clear on that point. House house money is not a thing. Uh, however, no free drinks either. Yeah, no, let's be especially, serious. Well, water. Um, you know, but it's none of the fancy bottled stuff. Okay, sure. In the bathroom. Yeah, you yeah, can take some. yeah. Sure, sure. So, I would tend to agree here that this season is already a success regardless of what happens on Sunday. What do you think? Well, yes, I want to say that's true. Unless if we get boat raced, you know, against Chicago and they are dancing on the G at the end of the game and talking trash and we own you, you know, to the fans, like all this stuff happens. Uh, Um, I mean, just, can you imagine Justin Fields saying, I own you, I own you as, uh, Oh God. (laughs) After a touchdown. I think, I think I think it just threw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> well, uh, these are things that could happen. That that would sort of kind of poison a lot of how the season would be. Like last year, I mean, we lost to Detroit in that last game, and that's kind of what you remember. Yeah, but yeah, I, it is. I, I think overall, though, the idea that we wanted this season to be competitive and we wanted to answer a quarterback, and that way it's been successful, even if it's over today. And I, I think if it's a competitive game against the Bears, I think that's fine. Uh, my prediction is that they will lose the bears, not because I think the Packers are inferior. It's just, that's, that's how the season, if you're going to script it is how it should end. They're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. Well, now we're up and now the script writer says it has us be down. And you know how it's going to happen, Chris, I, I have a brilliant insight and I'm going to say it because sometimes if I don't say it, I feel like it's more likely to happen. But if I say it, then hopefully the universe will hear it and be like, oh, we got to do something different to disappoint Dave, because that's what the universe does, is that the Packers are going to be down 27 to 25, and Carlson will be lined up for oh. a 25-yard field goal, and mm. he's going to shank it and miss it, and that's going to be the season. I I tell you that's what's going to happen. It's going to be of all the things we've gone through, Joe Barry and LaFleur and love and injuries and everything. 
we're, <laughs> the thing that's going to bite us in the end, Chris, is something that's been stinking underneath the surface yep, that we've just let go, and that's yep. going to be Anders Carlson's going to miss a key field goal, a game winner at the end, and that's how the season's going to end. Book it now, I'm telling you, and I, I don't want to create bad karma, because again, I am hoping this doesn't happen by me speaking it, but uh, can't you see that happening? Wouldn't that just be the absolute... Uh, most appropriate ending for the season. <laughs> I, I can I can definitely see it happening. In fact, when you were laying that out, I was just shaking my head. Thinking, that's that's exactly how this because you know he's missed five extra points right. this season. He leads the NFL by a wide margin. Uh, although the Packers' former kicker did miss an extra point uh, for the Giants, and uh, you know would, would have been a key critical field goal at the end, but that one was 54 yards. Um, so, I mean, that's not to say that if Mason Crosby was still in Green Bay, that he, you know, that he wouldn't have been as good or better than than Carlson. But I know why they moved on. I kind of get that whole thing. Carlson not been a disaster this year. Some of the extra points he's missed, there have been problems with the operation. Uh, there wasn't this past week. He just just missed that one. And it was inside. So makes you wonder, you know, what's going to happen outside, you know, coming up on, you know, late in the afternoon in early January in Green Bay, Wisconsin, weather can be nasty, uh, difficult, cold, if nothing else. So your scenario sounds highly plausible to me. Um, but would that be better to lose that way than to get embarrassed by the Bears? I mean, I, I guess I'd rather lose you know, where we can have a villain, you know, ah, oh, Carlson, your neck is too damn long. That's why, it, you know, <laughs> it, it, it be, it, rather than in saying, yeah, well, we got humbled. And then, you know, the Chicago radio people are, you know, wetting themselves. I did, see, I just, I just, I just don't want that. I'd rather lose a heartbreaker to the bears than get embarrassed at home by them. Yeah. That would be pretty bad too. I, I, I have a hard time seeing that happening. I feel like we, uh, I mean, I suppose on defense, we could just, you know, go back to the Giants or the Buccaneers type of a defense, you know, field could just run all over us. Um, I don't see our offense not sort of keeping up, but, you know, I guess Chicago's defense is playing better. Um, but I mean, I, if I had to bet, I would bet that the, uh, the Packers are going to win. I, I feel they're at home. Love is playing great. Um, I know Chicago's got a lot to play for, but I still don't think they're very good. Um, I just better is still not, you know, great, but, uh, I just, I just have this feeling. This is what's going to happen because mm. just, that's just, just how it goes this year. It feels like. I'm not going to disagree with you on, right. on that one. Cause I, I definitely could, could see it going that way. Don't blame I, me if it's what happens. I didn't cause oh, it. I, oh, no way. I will. Yeah. I will believe me. Yeah. Uh, we're going to, we're, we're definitely going to, you know, you're, I'm going to be, I'm going to be wearing you out man. Okay. Uh, there is one more thing before we get the betting lines. I, uh, Tom, uh, Ronsky, um, I believe Tom and his family live in Germany, as I recall, um, sent us, uh, an email and, uh, the guy who monitors our Packers therapy account at yahoo.com, uh, sent me the postscript. I don't believe I got the actual guts of the message. Um, and so we're going to have to have some disciplinary action uh, by the guy monitoring our email. Um, but I did get the postscript, and it says, Tom says, oh, yeah, my eldest reminded me of Dobbs, who catches almost everything. Uh, he's also a really good receiver. We have an embarrassment of riches. Now, I'm assuming 
his initial email, Dave, um, was about the receivers and that they have a lot of good ones, apparently. Is that, is that, is that correct? You know, I, I did not get that either. I, I only got the postscript, so we're going to have to imagine what Tom uh, said to us. So, um, But is, is Dobbs, does Dobbs catch everything? Like there are times when no, he like grabs the ball in the air, like he is like um, his hands are the size of you know double the size of a uh, normal man, and then there are times where he like he's got it and he dropped it, like he did twice at put in this game. Um, you, you know, um, my eldest son, who's I think a little bit older than Tom's eldest, um, his he is a he is a big in the tank for eighty seven guy. I I like Dobbs. There's no question about it. I think he's a good player, uh, but I think they got, you know, two guys who are definitely better and probably a third guy if he's ever healthy again. You might remember Christian Watson plays on this team. I don't know if yeah, you remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very Number Aaron Jones-like, yeah. Yeah. By the way, on the sidelines, he looked a lot bigger without his uniform on. <laughs> with his uniform? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy's got a big, broad chest and stuff. It's like, Really? Because he looks really wimpy and frail in his in his uniform. Anyway, um, I like the guy, but you know he's got good. He he's done a couple of those you know snatch the ball out of the air things. But I can I can think of one uh, slant pattern a couple of weeks ago. You hit him in the thigh. Okay, very catchable ball. Would have been a first down. Dropped it. I mean his hands are good. I wouldn't say they're great. Um, Probably better than James Jones, but not as good as Jordy Nelson. That kind of hands. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's a high, you know, that's a very high bar for sure. But yeah, there are times when he catches it, it's like, wow, it, he really looks the part. And I feel like the announcers will say this guy, you know, catches everything. But then I think we all know we've seen games where you know it's he's got his hands on it and, and falls out, sort of in the as going to the ground, which is part of the catch. So. Yeah, I, I like him. I, I don't know if you had to rank them one through five where he would stack, but I don't know if you really need to care about that. They do a lot of four and five receivers. So I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. him being out there is, uh, you know, I think Jennings might be, you know, something he could strive toward. I thought Jennings, you know, was a great receiver mm-hmm. in 2010. And around that time, you know, can Dobbs get to that level? Maybe that's, I think that's his potential upside. Maybe it's not as fast as Jennings, but um so it reminds me of him as a player. Well, I, I get it. I'm not even sure it's an embarrassment of riches. I think those guys get hurt enough. And, you know, right, right now we see they're what, what I consider their top three receivers are hurt right now. And so you need that depth. Uh, one thing I will say for Dobbs, he's not injured very often. He he seems to be, you know, at what what is it? The old, yeah. the best abilities availability. And he does seem to be available. And I think there's a place for him on this team. They're going to have to make decisions on these guys going forward. And right now, I'd probably take, you know, Dobbs over Watson just because he's available. I mean, Watson's got the more talent, but you don't see that talent because he's always hurt. Well, should we do the betting lines? If if you insist. All it's right, your podcast, it. Dave. Dave, you can do whatever you want. This is your podcast. You do well, you- sometimes I wonder, you know, you go on and on and on, and you're like I delaying know. the big I news know. of the podcast. I- We've been bearing the lead this whole time. I've been trying to end the podcast before we share this news. All right. Well, well the, let's, the, the fix is in, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'll say. No, 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 no. All right. Let's go through it. There's two people that had eight correct. Two people mm-hmm. saw this game so greatly. I mean, yeah, just I unbelievably. Um, 
The only only one is uh, um, let's see, is that the yeah? There is one that was pretty tough to call, which is how many catches Bo Melton would have. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second. All right, all right. So let's just go through them real quick. Uh, quarterback rating for Jordan Love. You set the line at. 92 and a half. You're gradually moving them up. It was at 125.3. Okay. So. Now let me, let me comment uh, on that. Cause I, act, now I mentioned earlier in the podcast, seven of the last nine games, he's been over a hundred, which means twice he wasn't. And I have, maybe I've seized on those because I've never been really bought into Jordan. And I guess this just shows I'm not really bought into him yet. It hasn't gotten to the point like it would be a year from now if he's still doing this where I'm going to say, oh, yeah, we'll set the line on 103. You know, I'm not there with this guy yet, which is why I've been cautious and I'll be cautious again this week when we when we get to that point. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Number two, rushing yards for Aaron Jones. You set the line at 80 hit 120. Mm. Number three, name a Packer with a pass defended. You said. uh, Johnson Jr. Uh, what's his first name? Uh, Anthony. Uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. Right. And I said Keyshawn Nixon. I was correct. Uh, it was Nixon, Ballantyne, Owens, McDuffie, and Kenny Clark had a pass defender, which is interesting. Oh, he must have knocked one down at the line, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he. I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't recall him running down the field on, uh, <laughs> down the sideline. Well, with with Joe Barry's defense, it's yeah. possible that he could have been lined up against you know Justin Jefferson. That's right. Uh, number four, number of catches for Bo Melton. You set that line at four and a half. He had six. It's a pretty tough one uh, to call. Uh, number five, total rushing yards for Minnesota. You set the line at 95. They had 67. That's another thing we should probably praise the Packers defense. They really Indeed. held Indeed. Jefferson and the run game to um, a really low amount. But that it helps to have an incompetent quarterback. Uh, that's it, it really does. I'm all for that. Green Bay interceptions, you set the line at 0.5. They had one interception by Ballantyne on a tip ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good one. How many receiving yards for Justin Jefferson or whatever our receiver, if he doesn't play? He did play. Yep. Uh, you set the line at 123 at 59. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, will Mullins' quarterback rating be greater than 95, yes or no? Uh, neither of them had a quarterback rating above 95. Mullins was close. He was 87.9. Right. Yes. Okay. I think, I, I think, you know, I'm hearing these lines. I think he did a pretty good job. I really uh, do. Yeah. Not, well, and Jaron Hall, 32.1. So he's well, yeah, far, far cry from. And then will the pack have a chance after the game to go into the playoffs? You said no. I said yes. And then the tiebreaker did have to go to the tiebreaker. You, how many points? I said 30. You said 23. What did they have? They had 33. Look at that. Well, you know who won this week? I, I won I this week. I don't know. Week. I don't know, Dave. Who I won. This won. Week? I won. I ate correct because I could see clearly. I The veil has been lifted. I can now see how these Packers, I, I've, I've talked to the NFL editors and how they're doing this, and I could see what they're doing here. Um is, Ten years this, from now, we'll win our Super Bowl. Is this the first time you've won? Yes. This, I, week, this year. This I've won, I think, in the past. But I, not. you know, I, I don't even recall you winning in the past. <laughs> it's not happened often. I might not have won once last year, but I, I have won once in a while. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I, uh, so I got 30 correct. Well, um, you get a cookie, Dave. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So let's do the betting lines next week. We have a couple of comments. A lot of them are things like uh, be prepared for the incoming Jaron Hall career day. <laughs> so yeah. I want to embarrass people 
who uh, threw in the towel and uh, sort of threw on uh, on Joe Barry because uh, we have to kind of wrap up the podcast. But I did have a couple people submit their favorites for 2023. Um so I just want to mention some of those. So Bill and Delfield said had a fair few favorites. He has favorite food is Usinger, Usinger's, Usinger's. Oh. Uh, and then you're from southeastern Wisconsin. You can't say Usinger's. Come on, Usinger's. Now. Okay, thank you. I um, it's late. Well, and I live in Missouri now. It's tough, <laughs> but I can't say the second word even more. Uh, Sausagen, sauce, S A U C I S S C H E N. Is that just yeah. like a funny way to say sausage, or is that a real thing? I guess I I'm, can not, look I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. That one's that that one's lost on me as well. So his movie was The Searchers. Book hmm. when Pride still mattered. Oh, uh, great book! Already, yeah, great book. TV or Packer games and toy as Lionel trains. So that's mm-hmm. your Bill from Delafield oh. favorites. Bill from he, he he. I hope Bill's been to the National Railroad Museum in Green Bay, because you should make a day of it, Bill. You 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 go up. You do the Lambo tour, and then you stop in at the National Railroad Museum. That's that is that is a great trip for a guy that likes Lionel trains. All right, I think I do have a uh, uh, limerick here. There aren't many limericks this week, but I'll, I'll read this one here. I'm not prepared. I didn't read it ahead of time, but I'll do my best. All right, limerick from Kevin P. Get Jones another carry. Craft sleeps are getting too scary. Score with Wick, Stava, Reed. Just get the ball, get the pack in the lead. And fire bungling Joe Barry. That's a good one. <laughs> well, it's all it's always good to hear from the professor, I tell you. Uh, okay, here's one. Uh, Jerry Adams sent another uh, oh, one here. Uh, Zimbrick. I, I must have missed these. Okay, here's Limerick number two. My brother Mike's a Viking fan. He's really not too smart. He jumps and cheers <laughs> and drinks his beers and does with all his heart. And when the Vikings win the Super Bowl and reach their destination... The first thing Mike will do is turn off his PlayStation. <laughs> Sorry, I have to click do this Excel spreadsheet. That's, I don't know if that's pure the Limerick form, but I'll allow it. I'll allow yeah, it. well, anytime you trash your brother, that's always a good thing. <laughs> uh, so some others said, look, it's 10 a.m. kickoff Christmas Eve. It's 10 a.m. kickoff is Christmas Eve. Required Limerick reprieve. Didn't have, Oh, this is a Limerick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh Wait, it wasn't a 10 a.m. kickoff Christmas Eve. Well, it, uh, well, it depends on where you are, I suppose, right? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, last limerick of the of the episode. All right. A 10 a.m. kickoff Christmas Eve required a limerick reprieve. I didn't have time to think up a rhyme, and the defense is flaccid indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Who Very was that? Good. That was from Jeremy Babo. Some of these oh, are okay, good, these are good. artists. That are listening to the podcast. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So I will um, move on to the next week's betting lines just to save us some time. Six ten, St. Louis time. Keep an eye on the clock here, Chris. All right. Are you ready for the betting lines for Week 18 against Chicago? Let's roll because I know you have an engagement coming up, sir. Yeah. So I yeah. will. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, number one, quarterback rating for Jordan Love. Oh, I didn't even think there's. Oh. Wow, you surprised Surprise. me with this one. Yeah. I hate that. Um, Bears got a good defense, and I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm I like what Jordan Love's done. I'm just not 100% sold on him yet. Um, it's going to be outside. Um, I'm a little dubious here. I think he's going to throw an interception. I think they will lose. Give me 
Give me 93.5. Wow. That's pretty good. If you're, that's your bad game from Jordan Love. Now that, that's where we're at. I'll take the under because I'm going to follow a theme here. Uh, number two, uh, total receiving yards for Bo Melton. Well, newly on the 53-man roster, 105 this past week, which was kind of helped by that garbage time throw from the great Sean Clifford. Um, <laughs> number of you said yards or catches? Yards. Yards. It won't be 105. Uh, I think he had like around, what, 65 or something. when that. So that sounds like more like what he will do. So Wow. Yeah. So why don't you give me – I'm going to put a nice round – 60, oh, I see 60.5. So in case there's a 60.5. Okay. I'll take the under on that one. Uh, Number three, who will be the top receiver by catches? Oh, by catches. Uh, Let me see. We had three guys at six this past, which I love three, three guys at six catches. That's the way you play. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, if you have Devontae Adams, you're going to be targeting him 13 times a game, and these other guys would be running around for nothing. So I kind of like the way they spit it around. Um, give me give me Tucker Craft. Oh, I wrote down Tucker Craft as well, so I will say the same thing. Okay. All right, number four. Uh, first, I want to ask you, do you think Green Bay will have more sacks than Chicago will? No. Okay. So, because uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, number of Green Bay sacks minus the number of Chicago oh, sacks. Okay, okay. So, um, uh, it's going to be a negative number. It's going to be a negative number, yeah. Um, boy, Justin Fields, pretty mobile, big guy. You know, line isn't great, though. Eh, the Packers have two. Things. I think it'll it be negative one. I think the Packers will have a couple sacks. The Bears will have three, so negative one. You want to put a point five on that? Sure. I guess negative sure. 1.5? Let's. Yeah, sure. What the hell? All right, I'll take the under on that one. Uh, it's number five, how many missed field goals and extra points for Anders Carlson? Well, he's going to miss the one at the end. We've already determined that. <laughs> um, so, so that's one. Um, you know, he's he's really got a hot streak going when it comes to missing extra points. So that's two. Uh, of course, that assumes they'll score a touchdown, uh, which I think is they will. So I'm going to do. I need to set a line here, then. Yeah, you do. I'll set it at one and a half. One and a half misses. I'll take the over on that one. Uh, number six, uh, Justin Fields quarterback rating. Hmm. Yeah, not a great quarterback. Uh, is dangerous with his uh, legs. Have a good receiver um, in uh, DJ Moore. Moore, that's it. Yes. Um, so I don't think it'd be a disaster out there. Um, I could see Justin Fields. I can see Justin Fields rolling with a 91 and a half. All right. I'll take the over on that one. Uh, number seven, total passing yards for DJ Moore. And just to give you a, uh, he had 159 yards. I know. Receiving. I know. <laughs> I know. He's good. Um, and, you know, again, I, I don't know what, what kind of defense the, uh, the Packers going to play up and press at the line and make it difficult for this guy. Or, you know, it's hard to know what they're going to do. But if, if they play soft, you know, why wouldn't he have over 100 yards? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of think the Bears are going to win, so I would think he's going to have a good game. Eh, eh, put him at a – I'm going to put him at 105. 105. I'm going to take the over on that one. Uh, seven and a half, will we have a Sean Clifford sighting? Will he make the field for any reason? Injury, mop-up duty, 
Will Sean Clifford play? Well, if it's going to be, if they're going to lose on a, on a late field goal, that means it's probably no, unless love gets hurt. Oh my God. Um, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to say love plays the whole game, but it's, it's not a, a, uh, a repeat of a Minnesota game. I think it's a lot tougher. I think he's, I think he gets sacked. That's a lot more difficulty in this game. So I think it's going to come down to the end and, and, and Clifford will not see the field. Okay, I'll say no as well. I don't think Sean Clifford will play. And seven, three, four. Uh, will the Packers make the playoffs? Yes or no? No. All right, you're gonna say no. I'm gonna say no as well. But that's because of the betting lines. I'm making a bet here. Um, I yes. I hope they win. I hope they Ex- make the playoffs. Exactly. I know you do too. And then as a tiebreaker, uh, total rushing yards for Aaron Jones. Oh man, uh, he's put it. He's had 120 the past two weeks. I just don't see that happening. It's outside. He got a good defense. Uh, I'll put his rushing yardage at 68. 68. I said 52. Okay. okay. If you would like to compete against me, you know, that's got a yeah. hot <laughs> win streak right now, please pay the betting lines. We don't have the holidays to get in the way anymore. Uh, send your results in to Mitno Miller, to Mike at Mitno Miller at gmail.com. If you want us to spell that for you, let's do that next. Chris? M-I-T-N-O-M-I-L-L-E-R at gmail.com. That is where you get to Mike Miller, and he will hook you up. He'll fix you up, and you can play the betting lines, and you can see what kind of surprise Dave has left for you in the toilet at the Packers Therapy Hotel and Casino in lovely Las Vegas, Nevada. All right. All right. What's next? Pop culture? Uh, you, you, you want to do pop culture or do you have to skedaddle here? Maybe should, I should head out. Uh, send your top uh, fives, tens, whatever, uh, and then your betting lines. I continue to do that if you would. I'll go through my top fives. I've got movies, TV, and I did TV and movies. I don't know if you did that as well, but let's save that for next week um, just because of time. That would be uh, helpful for me. All right. That would be very good. And um, I don't know that if people are necessarily, you know, frothing to get our uh, pop culture stuff. But please do let us know uh, what your favorites were for 2023. And we'll talk about those next week, because regardless of how that game comes out, even if they lose in heartbreaking fashion on a last second missed field goal, as we both have this bad feeling, um, we're going to be back with a podcast again next week. And at worst, the Packers are going to be eight and nine, um, potentially having a winning record and being in the postseason. This is why we're fans, you know, because it's hope. You don't know what's going to happen. And that's what makes this great. So Packer fans, put your crash helmet on or your, you know, or tape your ankles and put your Packer replica helmet on and get ready because they got the Bears in a game that means something at Lambeau Field, a 325 kickoff next Sunday. I know I'll be watching. I have a very good feeling Dave will be watching as well. I will. will Yeah. And we're going to be back to talk about it a week from now. But until that time, I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that's Packers Theory. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that's Packers Therapy.